Section nine of Over Prairie Trails by Frederick Philip Grove. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Skies and Scares. We had had a soft spell over a weekend, and on Monday it had been followed by a fearful storm, snowstorm and blizzard, both coming from the southeast and lasting their traditional three days before they subsided. On Thursday a report came in that the trail across the wild land west of Bell's Corner was closed completely, in fact would be impassable for the rest of the winter this report came with the air of authority the man who brought it knew what he was talking about of that i had no doubt for the time being he said no horses could possibly get through that very day i happened to meet another man who was habitually driving back and forth between the two towns why don't you go west he said you angle over anyway go west first and then straight north and he described in detail the few difficulties of the road which he followed himself there was no doubt he of all men should certainly know which was the best road for the first seventeen miles he had come in from that one-third way town that morning i knew the trails which he described as summer roads had gone over them a good many times though never in winter so the task of finding the trail should not offer any difficulty well and good then i made up my mind to follow the advice on friday afternoon everything was ready as usual i rang off at four o'clock and stepped into the hall and right there the first thing went wrong never before had i been delayed in my start but now there stood three men in the hall prominent citizens of the town i had handed my resignation to the school board these men came to ask me that i reconsider the board so i had heard was going to accept my decision and let it go at that according to this committee the board did not represent the majority of the citizens in town they argued for some time against my stubbornness at last fretting under the delay i put it bluntly i have nothing to reconsider gentlemen the matter does no longer rest with me if as i hear the board is going to accept my resignation that settles the affair for me it must of necessity suit me or i should not have resigned but you might see the board maybe they are making a mistake in fact i think so that is not my business however and i went the time was short enough in any case this cut it shorter it was five o'clock before i swung out on the western road i counted on moonlight though the fickle luminary being in its first quarter but there were clouds in the north and the weather was by no means settled as for my lights they were useless for driving so long as the ground was completely buried under its sheet of snow on the snow there form no shadows by which you can recognize the trail in a light that comes from between the two tracks so i hurried along we had not yet made the first three miles skirting meanwhile the river when the first disaster came i noticed a rather formidable drift on the road straight ahead i thought i saw a trail leading up over it i found out later on that it was a snowshoe trail i drove briskly up to its very edge 
then the horses fell into a walk in a gingerly kind of way we started to climb and suddenly the world seemed to fall to pieces the horses disappeared in the snow the cutter settled down there was a sharp snap i fell back the lines had broken with lightning quickness i reached over the dashboard down to the whiffle trees and unhooked one each of the horses traces that would release the others too should they plunge for the moment i did not know what they were doing there was a cloud of dust-dry snow which hid them then peter emerged i saw with horror that he stood on dan who was lying on his side dan started to roll over peter slipped off to the right that brought rebellion into dan for now the neck yoke was cruelly twisting his head i saw dan's feet emerging out of the snow pawing the air he was on his back everything seemed convulsed then peter plunged and reared pulling dan halfways up that motion of his released the neck yoke from the pole the next moment both horses were on their feet head by head now but facing each other apparently trying to pull apart but the martingales held then both jumped clear of the cutter and the pole and they plunged out to the rear past the cutter to solid ground i do not remember how i got out but after a minute or so i stood at their heads holding them by the bridles the knees of both horses shook their nostrils trembled peter's eye looked as if he were going to bolt we were only a hundred yards or so from a farm a man and a boy came running with lanterns i snapped the halter ropes into the bit rings and handed the horses over to the boy to be led to and fro at a walk so as to prevent a chill and i went with the man to inspect the cutter apparently no damage was done beyond the snapping of the lines the man who knew me offered to lend me another pair which i promptly accepted we pulled the cutter out backwards straightened the harness and hitched the horses up again it was clear that though they did not seem to be injured their nerves were on edge the farmer meanwhile enlightened me i mentioned the name of the man who had recommended the road yes the road was good enough from town to town this was the only bad drift yes my adviser had passed here the day before but he had turned off the road going down to the river below which was full of holes it is true made by the ice harvesters but otherwise safe enough the boy would go along with his lantern to guide me to the other side of the drift i am afraid i thought some rather uncharitable things about my adviser for having omitted to caution me against this drift what i minded most was of course the delay the drift was partly hollow it appeared the crust had thawed and frozen again the huge mass of snow underneath had settled down the crust had formed a vault amply strong enough to carry a man but not to carry horse and cutter when in the dying light and by the gleam of the lantern we went through the dense brush down the steep bank and on to the river the horses were every second ready to bolt peter snorted and danced dan laid his ears back on his head 
but the boy gave warning at every open hole and we made it safely at last we got back to the road i kept talking and purring to the horses for a while and it seemed they were quieting down it was not an auspicious beginning for a long night drive and though for a while all things seemed to be going about as well as i could wish there remained a nervousness which slight though it seemed while unprovoked yet tinged every motion of the horses and even my own state of mind still while we were going west and later north into the one-third way town the drive was one of the most marvellously beautiful ones that i had had during that winter of marvellous sights as i have mentioned the moon was in its first quarter and therefore during the early part of the night high in the sky it was not very cold the lower air was quiet of that strange hushed stillness which in southern countries is the stillness of the noon hour in midsummer when pan is frightened into a panic by the very quiet it was not so however in the upper reaches of the atmosphere it was a night of skies of shifting ever-changing skies not for five minutes did an aspect last when i looked up after maybe having devoted my attention for a while to a turn in the road or to a drift there was no trace left of the picture which i had seen last and you could not help it the sky would draw your eye there was commotion up there operations were proceeding on a very vast scale but so silently with not a whisper of wind that i felt hushed myself a few of the aspects have persisted in my memory but it seems an impossible task to sketch them i was driving along through open fields the trail led dimly ahead huge masses of snow with sharp immovable shadows flanked it the horses were very wide awake they cocked their ears at every one of the mounds and sometimes they pressed rump against rump as if to reassure each other by their mutual touch about halfway up from the northern horizon there lay a belt of faintest luminosity in the atmosphere no play of northern lights just an impalpable paling of the dark blue sky there were stars too but they were not very brilliant way down in the north at the edge of the world there lay a long low-flung line of cloud black scarcely discernible in the light of the moon and from its centre true north there grew out a monstrous human arm reaching higher and higher up to the zenith blotting the stars behind it it looked at first in texture and rigid outline as the stream of straw looks that flows from the blower of a threshing machine when you stand straight in its line and behind it but of course it did not curve down it seemed to stretch and to rise growing more and more like an arm with a clumsy fist at its end held unconceivably straight and unbending this cloud i have no doubt was forming right then by condensation and it stretched and lengthened till it obscured the moon 
just then i reached the end of my run to the west i was nearing a block of dense poplar bush in which somewhere two farmsteads lay embedded the road turned to the north i was now exactly south of and in line with that long twenty-mile trail where i had startled horses rabbit and partridge on the last described drive i believe i was just twenty-five miles from the northern correction line at this corner where i turned i had to devote all my attention to the negotiating of a few bad drifts when i looked up again i was driving along the bottom of a wide road gap formed by tall and stately poplars on both sides trees which stood uncannily still the light of the moon became less dim and i raised my eyes that band of cloud for it had turned into a band now thus losing its threatening aspect had widened out and loosened up it was a strip of flocculent sheepy-looking little cloudlets that suggested curliness and innocence and the moon stood in between like a good-natured shepherd in the stories of old for a while i kept my eyes on the sky the going was good indeed on this closed-in road and so i watched that insensible silent and yet swift shifting of things in the heavens that seemed so orderly preordained and as if regulated by silent signals the clouds lost their sheep-like look again they became more massive they took on more substance and spine more manliness as it were and they arranged themselves in distinct lines soldiers suggested themselves not soldiers engaged in war but soldiers drilling in times of peace to be reviewed maybe by some great general that central point from which the arm had sprung and which had been due north had sidled over to the northwest the low-flung line along the horizon had taken on the shape of a long wedge pointing east farther west it too looked more massive now more like a rather solid wall and all those soldier clouds fell into a fan-shaped formation into lines radiating from that common central point in the northwest this arrangement i have for many years been calling the tree it is quite common of course and i read it with great confidence as meaning no amount of rain or snow worth mentioning the tree covered half the heavens or more and nowhere did i see any large reaches of clear sky here and there a star would peep through and the moon seemed to be quickly and quietly moving through the lines apparently he was the general who reviewed the army again there came a shifting in the scenes it looked as if some unseen hands were spreading a sheet above these flocculent clouds a thin and vapory sheet that came from the north and gradually covered the whole roof of the sky stars and moon disappeared but not so far the light of the moon it merely became diffused the way the light from an electric bulb becomes diffused when you enclose it in a frosted globe 
and then as the sheet of vapour above began to thicken the light on the snow became dim and dimmer till the whole of the landscape lay in gloom the sheet still seemed to be coming coming from the north but no longer did it travel away to the south it was as if it had brought up against an obstacle there as if it were being held in place and since there was more and more of it pressing up it seemed rather to be pushed now it telescoped together and threw itself into folds till at last the whole sky looked like an enormous system of parallel clothes-lines over all of which one great soft and loose cloth were flung so that fold after fold would hang down between all the neighbouring pairs of lines and between two folds there would be a sharply converging upward crease it being night this arrangement common in grey daylight would not have shown at all had it not been for the moon above as it was every one of the infolds showed an increasingly lighter grey the higher it folded up and like huge black udders the outfolds were hanging down this sky when it persists i have often found to be followed within a few days by heavy storms to-night however it did not last shifting skies are never certain signs though they normally indicate an unsettled condition of the atmosphere i have observed them after a blizzard too i looked back over my shoulder just when i emerged from the bush into the open fields and there i became aware of a new element again a quiet and yet very distinct commotion arose from the south these cloth clouds lifted and a nearly impalpable change crept over the whole of the sky a few minutes later it crystallized into a distinct impression a dark grey faintly luminous inverted bowl stood overhead not a star was to be seen above nor yet the moon but all around the horizon there was a nearly clear ring suffused with the light of the moon there where the sky is most apt to be dark and hazy stars peeped out singly and dimly only i did not recognize any constellation and then the grey bowl seemed to contract into patches again the change seemed to proceed from the south the clouds seemed to lift still higher and to shrink into small light feathery cirrus clouds silvery on the dark blue sky resembling white pencil shadings the light of the moon asserted itself anew and this metamorphosis also spread upward till the moon herself looked out again and it went on spreading northward till it covered the whole of the sky this last change came just before i had to turn west again for a mile or so in order to hit a trail into town i did not mean to go on straight ahead and to cut across those radiating road lines of which i have spoken in a former paper i knew that my wife would be sitting up and waiting till midnight or two o'clock and i wanted to make it so i avoided all risks and gave my attention to the road for a while 
i had to drive through a ditch and through a fence beyond and to cross a field in order to strike that road which led from the south through the park into town a certain farmstead was my landmark beyond it i had to watch out sharply if i wanted to find the exact spot where according to my informant the wire of the fence had been taken down i found it to cross the field proved to be the hardest task the horses had had so far during the night the trail had been cut in deep through knee-high drifts and it was filled with firmly packed freshly blown in snow that makes a particularly bad road for fast driving i simply had to take my time and to give all my attention to the guiding of the horses and here i was also to become aware once more of the fact that my horses had not yet forgotten their panic in that river drift of two hours ago there was a straw stack in the centre of the field at least the shape of the big white mound suggested a straw stack and the trail led closely by it sharp shadows showed and the horses pricking their ears began to dance and to sidle away from it as we passed along its southern edge but we made it by the time we reached the park that forms the approach to the town from the south the skies had changed completely there was now as far as my eye would reach just one vast dark blue star-spangled expanse and the skies twinkled and blazed down upon the earth with a veritable fervor there was not one of the more familiar stars that did not stand out brightly even the minor ones which you do not ordinarily see oftener than maybe once or twice a year as for instance vega's smaller companions in the constellation of the lyre or the minor points in the cluster of the pleiades i sometimes think that the mere fact of your being on a narrow bush road with the trees looming darkly to both sides makes the stars seem brighter than they appear from the open fields i have heard that you can see a star even in daytime from the bottom of a deep mine pit if it happens to pass overhead that would seem to make my impression less improbable perhaps i know that not often have the stars seemed so much alive to me as they did that night in the park and then i came into the town i stayed about forty-five minutes fed the horses had supper myself and hitched up again on leaving town i went for another mile east in the shelter of a fringe of bush and this bush kept rustling as if a breeze had sprung up but it was not till i turned north again on the twenty-mile stretch that i became conscious of a great change in the atmosphere there was indeed a slight breeze coming from the north and it felt very moist somehow it felt homely and human this breeze there was a promise in it as of a time not too far distant when the sap would rise again in the trees and when tender leaflets would begin to stir in delicate buds so far however its more immediate promise probably was snow but it did not last either a colder breeze sprang up between the two there was a distinct lull and again there arose in the north far away at the very end of my seemingly endless road a cloud bank 
the colder wind that sprang up was gusty it came in fits and starts with short lulls in between it still had that water-laden feeling but it was now what you would call damp rather than moist the way you often feel winter winds along the shores of great lakes or along sea-coasts there was a cutting edge to it it was raw and it had not been blowing very long before low-hanging dark and formless cloud-masses began to scud up from the north to the zenith the northern lights too made their appearance again about that time they formed an arc very far to the south vaulting up behind my back beyond the zenith no streamers in them no filtered rays and streaks nothing but a blurred luminosity high above the clouds and so it seemed above the atmosphere the northern lights have moods like the clouds moods as varied as theirs though they do not display them so often nor quite so ostentatiously we were nearing the bridge across the infant river the road from the south slopes down to this bridge in a rather sudden s-shaped curve as perhaps the reader remembers i still had the moonlight from time to time and whenever one of the clouds floated in front of the crescent i drove more slowly and more carefully now there is a peculiar thing about moonlight on snow with a fairly well-marked trail on bare ground in summer-time a very little of it will suffice to indicate the road for there are enough rough spots on the best of trails to cast little shadows and grass and weeds on both sides usually mark the beaten track off still more clearly even though the road lead north but the snow forms such an even expanse and the trail on it is so featureless that these signs are no longer available the light itself also is too characterless and too white and too nearly of the same quality as the light reflected by the snow to allow of judging distances delicately and accurately you seem to see nothing but one vast whiteness all around when you drive east or west the smooth edges of the tracks will cast sharply defined shadows to the north but when you drive north or south even these shadows are absent and so you must entirely rely on your horses to stay on the trail i have often observed how easily my own judgment was deluded but still i felt so absolutely sure that i should know when i approached the bridge that perhaps through overconfidence i was caught napping there was another fact which i did not take sufficiently into account at the time i have mentioned that we had had a soft spell in fact it had been so warm for a day or two that the older snow had completely iced over now much as i thought i was watching out we were suddenly and quite unexpectedly right on the downward slope before i even realized that we were near it as i said on this slope the trail described a double curve and it hit the bridge at an angle from the west the first turn and the behavior of the horses were what convinced me that i had inadvertently gone too far 
if i had stopped the horses at the point where the slope began and then started them downward at a slow walk we should still have reached the bridge at too great a speed for the slope had offered the last big wind from the north a sheer brow and it was swept clean of new snow thus exposing the smooth ice underneath the snow that had drifted from the south on the other hand had been thrown beyond the river on to the lower northern bank the horses skidded and the weight of the cutter would have pushed them forward as it was they realized the danger themselves for when we turned the second curve both of them stiffened their legs and spread their feet in order to break the momentum of the cutter but in spite of the heavy calks under their shoes they slipped on all fours hardly able to make the bend on to the bridge they had to turn nearly at right angles to their last direction and the bridge seemed to be one smooth sheet of ice the moon shone brightly just then so i saw exactly what happened as soon as the runners hit the iced over planks the cutter swung out sideways the horses however slipping and recovering managed to make the turn it was a worthwhile sight to see them strike their cocks into the ice and brace themselves against the shock which they clearly expected when the cutter started to skid the latter swung clear of the bridge you will remember that the railing on the east side was broken away out into space and came down with a fearful crash but right side up on the steep north bank of the river just at the very moment when the horses reached the deep loose snow beyond which at least gave them a secure footing they had gone along the diagonal of the bridge from the southwest corner barely clearing the rail to the northwest corner where the snow had piled into a depth of from two to five feet on the sloping bank if the ground where i hit the bank had been bare the cutter would have splintered to pieces as it was the shock of it seemed to jar every bone in my body it seemed rather a piece of good luck that the horses bolted the lines held they pulled me free of the drift on the bank and plunged out on the road for a mile or two we had a pretty wild run and this time there was no doubt about it either the horses were thoroughly frightened they ran till they were exhausted and there was no holding them but since i was on a clear road i did not worry very much nevertheless i was rather badly shaken up myself and if i had followed the good advice that suggested itself i should have put in for some time at the very next farm which i passed the way i see things now it was anything rather than safe to go on with horses in the nervous condition in which mine were i could not hope any longer to keep them under control should a further accident happen but i had never yet given in when i had made up my mind to make the trip and it was hard to do so for the first time as soon as i had the horses sufficiently in hand again i lighted my lantern got out on the road and carefully looked my cutter over i found that the hardwood lining of both runners was broken at the curve but the steel shoes were though slightly bent still sound fortunately the top had been down otherwise further damage would have been sure to result 
i saw no reason to discontinue the drive now after a while when the nervousness incident upon the shock which i had received subsided my interest in the shifting skies revived once more and again i began to watch the clouds the wind was squally and the low black vapor masses overhead had coalesced into a vast array of very similar but yet distinct groups there was still a certain amount of light from the moon but only just enough to show the texture and the grouping of the clouds hardly ever had i seen or at least consciously taken note of a sky that with its blackness and its massed multitudes of clouds looked so threatening so sinister so much like a battle array but way up in the northeast there were two large areas quite suffused with light from the north they must have been thin cloud layers in whose upper reaches the northern lights were playing and these patches of light were like a promise like a word of peace arresting the battle had it not been for these islands of light i should have felt depressed when i looked back to the road we were swinging along as before i had rested the horses by a walk and to a casual observer they would have seemed to be none the worse for their fling at running away but on closer scrutiny they would again have revealed the unmistakable signs of nervous tension their ears moved jerkily on the slightest provocation still the road was good and clear and i had no apprehensions then came the sudden end of the trail it was right in front of a farmyard clearly the farmer had broken the last part of the road over which i had come the trail widened out to a large circus-shaped flat in the drifts the snow had the ruffled appearance of being thoroughly tramped down by a herd of cattle on both sides there were trees wild trees aplenty brush lined the narrow road gap ahead but the snow had piled in level with its tops this had always been rather a bad spot though the last time i had seen it the snow had settled down to about half the height of the shrubs i stopped and hesitated for a moment i knew just where the trail had been it was about twenty-five feet from the fence of the field to the east it was now covered under three to four feet of freshly drifted in snow the drift seemed to be higher towards the west where the brush stood higher too so i decided to stay as nearly as i could above the old trail there even though we might break through the new snow the older drifts underneath were likely to be firm enough we went ahead the drift held and slowly we climbed to its summit it is a strange coincidence that just then i should have glanced up at the sky i saw a huge black cloud mass elbowing its way as it were in front of those islands of light the promise of peace and so much was i by this time imbued with the moods of the skies that the disappearance of this mild glimmer sent a regret through my very body and simultaneously with this thrill of regret 
there came i remember this as distinctly as if it had been an hour ago the certainty of impending disaster the very next moment chaos reigned the horses broke in not badly at all but as a consequence of their nervous condition they flew into a panic i held them tight as they started to plunge but there was no guiding them they were bound to have things their own way altogether it seemed as if they had lost their road sense too for instead of plunging at least straight ahead out on the level trail they made with irresistible bounds and without paying the slightest attention to the pole of the lines towards the east there the drift not being packed by any previous traffic went entirely to pieces under their feet i had meanwhile thrown off my robes determined at all costs to bring them to a stop for i knew if i allowed them to get away with me this time they would be spoiled for any further drives of mine now just the very fraction of a second when i got my feet up against the dashboard so as to throw my whole weight into my pull they reared up as if for one tremendous and supreme bound and simultaneously i saw a fence-post straight under the cutter pole before i quite realized it the horses had already cleared the fence i expected the collision the breaking of the drawbar and the bolting of the horses but just then my desperate effort in holding them told and dancing and fretting they stood then in a flash i mentally saw and understood the whole situation the runners of the cutter still held up by the snow of the drift which sloped down into the field and which the horses had churned into slabs and clods had struck the fence wire and lifting the whole of the conveyance had placed me cutter and all balanced for a moment to a nicety on top of the post but already we began to settle back i felt that i could not delay for a moment later the runners would slip off the wire and the cutter fall backward that was the certain signal for the horses to bolt the very paradoxicality of the situation seemed to give me a clue i clicked my tongue and holding the horses back with my last ounce of strength made them slowly dance forward and pull me over the fence in a moment i realized that i had made a mistake a quick pull would have jerked me clear of the post as it was it slowly grated along the bottom of the box then the cutter tilted forward and when the runners slipped off the wire the cutter with myself pitched back with a frightful knock against the post the back panel of the box still shows the splintered tear that fence post made the shock of it threw me forward for a second i lost all purchase on the lines and again the horses went off in a panic it was quite dark now for the clouds were thickening in the sky while i attended to the horses i reflected that probably something had broken back there in the cutter but worst of all i realized that this incident for the time being at least had completely broken my nerve as soon as i had brought the horses to a stop i turned in the knee-deep snow of the field and made for the fence 
half a mile ahead there gleamed a light i had of course to stay on the field and i drove along slowly and carefully skirting the fence and watching it as closely as what light there was permitted i do not know why this incident affected me the way it did but i presume that the cumulative effect of three mishaps one following the other had something to do with it the same as it affected the horses but more than that i believe it was the effect of the skies i am rather subject to the influence of atmospheric conditions there are not many things that i would rather watch no matter what the aspect of the skies may be they fascinate me i have heard people say what a dull day or what a sleepy day and that when i was enjoying my own little paradise in yielding to the moods of cloud and sky to this very hour i am convinced that the skies broke my nerve that night that those incidents merely furnished them with an opportunity to get their work in more tellingly of the remainder of the drive little needs to be said i found a way out of the field back to the road drove into the yard of the farm where i had seen the light knocked at the house and asked for and obtained the night's accommodation for myself and for my horses at six o'clock next morning i was on the road again both i and the horses had shaken off the nightmare and through a sprinkling dusting fall of snow we made the correction line and finally home in the best of moods and conditions end of section nine end of over prairie trails by frederick philip grove